the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. As we head into hour two of our daily three-hour show, it is a privilege to have him representing Arizona, Arizona's sixth congressional district. It is a privilege to have him on the show. David Schweiker, Congressman Schweiker, how are you? You know, I don't know if it's actually a privilege, but... Um, <laughs> it is for me. someone willing to... Let me on the air. Don't gaslight me. I'm expressing my emotions to you. It's a oh, privilege for me. You know, hey, 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 we need to be COVID respectful hugs. Okay. You know, I'll let you say whatever you want, oh. uh, but, but, but I do have two questions for you, if I could. Only two. Only two. Only two. Only two. And I'm you doing my best. what's going on around here, and you have only two? I only have two. I only have two. I'm a simple man. David, uh, you said something in our call last week that I couldn't get out of my head uh, and couldn't wait to ask you about this week. Oh, is that like the Barney song where when you have a toddler and you can't get it out of your head? <laughs> I don't know what Barney is. What Barney? What? Who's Barney? The purple dinosaur. Don't ask if you've had kids with the purple dinosaur. I know Barney Fife. You know Barney the dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, that's to, that to, right yeah, there. I had, a, is I had a little girl that sang it. Cultural hours. destruction right there. I grew up with Barney <laughs> Fife, and you grew up with Barney the Dinosaur. David, you said some kind of interesting in passing last week, and it was just it, it was of no real moment, except it got me to thinking. You were telling me you were at a dinner with the Freedom Caucus members, and mm-hmm. after we got off the phone, you know what I was just saying? It's about three, four years ago, the Freedom Caucus used to be – when its name came up, people would scowl, frown. They would say, you're not a member. You don't support the Freedom Caucus, do you? Do you remember these kinds of Republicans? Now everyone seems to be saying, thank God for the Freedom Caucus. Am I saying yeah. anything that's news to you? I, no, I, no. I remember this trajectory. It was like, oh, what, oh. what do you want with those guys? And now it's like, I'm not supporting you unless you're one of those guys. I thought that yeah, was interesting. Well. And it was tough. Yeah, Remember, I'm one of the I'm one of the founding members. You know what I'm talking I'm one, about? Then I'm not I'm making this up, reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the reasons the Freedom Caucus actually started. Okay, when I got thrown off my committee years ago, mm-hmm. and we realized they were picking off the conservatives um, and trying to make them irrelevant in the process. Um, it is interesting, though. You still have a juxtaposition where a lot of the base. We're in the minority. When you're in the minority, everyone's a conservative. Mm-hmm. The votes are, you know, voting against crappy stuff is easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually saw an example today where well, I've been shocked at the majority of our Republicans voted for earmarks again. Mm-hmm. That's, um, but you got to understand, you also pay a price to be in the Freedom Caucus. Okay. Um, Freedom Caucus is by invitation only, uh-huh. and you have to accept a whole bunch of the lobbyist, corporate PAC community isn't going to help you. Uh-huh. As soon as you're a member of Freedom Caucus, you don't get that nice, easy PAC check. So K Street still a- does scowl. K Street oh, oh, still scowls. Oh, yeah. Okay, I yeah. got gotcha. you. No, no. And, and, and the fascinating thing is I'm the only Freedom Caucus person on the Ways and Means Committee. Mm-hmm. And I there are a number of these big corporate PACs who 
make it very clear, saying, Schweikert, we have a ban. We can't give you, we will not, we love your policies. We really want those, right. you know, economic growth, but you're a Freedom Caucus person. We refuse to help you. Wow. And that's just, it just goes with, uh, you don't whine about it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's. Light. No, but it's it's courage that you say it because I know the Freedom Caucus. I think the Freedom Caucus it doesn't advertise its members, but members are of course allowed to say whether yeah. they're a part of it. Well, so when it goes you're to one your of the courage. Founders, it was yeah. <laughs> you can't get <laughs> out a handful of, it. of us who were the original faces, but no, we don't advertise. And one of the reasons we do that is some of our folks become targets. Mm-hmm. Now it's mm-hmm. pretty quick. You can figure out when you see the voting pattern. Yeah, who's part of the group and who oh. isn't. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine that. The second thing I wanted to run by you, David, if I might, and I'm getting a lot of calls on it. No doubt you are, too, or were, up until the House passed the measure. And it's this H.R. 1 and filibuster business. Now, I know it's in the Senate and not the House, but you understand Washington and you work hand in glove with uh, the Senate. And what are, your, what are you thinking these days? You thinking this, uh, this end of the cloture rule has a shot uh, over at the Senate? You think H.R. 1 has a shot? What, what are your tea leaves showing you, telling you? Um. The answer is it's it's very possible. Um, you got to understand you're down to maybe one or two senators now hold the fate of the election system for this country in their hands. Mm-hmm. The nationalization, the federalization of all the bad things mm-hmm. that go on in states like California, the public funding of congressional candidates, mm-hmm. which basically means the protection of incumbency. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh, it, it just you, you think of every bad thing, and then what they do is the Democrats are Orwellian in their language. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is to protect voter access, mm-hmm. except for the fact that we're going to make sure that if you're not voting with them, that your value of your vote is diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, and simply, you know, let's make um, D.C., let's make Puerto Rico mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Democrats are brilliant. At, at some level, you, you need to step back and let's not pretend the Nancy Pelosi's of the world are low IQ. They're not. They're Machiavellian mm-hmm. in understanding power. They will do whatever is necessary. The $1.9 trillion um, bill that had massive amounts to pay off Democrat constituencies and about 9% of it to deal with COVID. Right. But they called it a COVID stimulus Yeah. H.R. 1, to rig the election system as much as possible, to finance their campaigns, to give them as much power as possible. The Democrats understand power. They don't understand basic economics, but they do understand power. And and so the worries I get are these. People say, well, if H.R. 1 does pass, you know, um, if they get rid of the filibuster and H.R. 1 passes – uh, the Democrats will make such a wish list reality. L- the left wing will make uh, everything they've ever wanted a reality. And maybe in a way that'll be good for Republicans in two years because we can come fighting yeah. back. But what the, they, any, people will say is, well, hold on a minute. We, we <laughs> Not if we can't get elected because of H.R. Yeah. 1. Exactly. Look, anyone that says that, um, they may mean well, but there's uh, – what's a nice – oh, yeah, they're an idiot. Okay. Um, and and I'm, I'm sorry to be so harsh. This is the rigging of the election system. This isn't, hey, a bunch of people's taxes went up. They're going to suffer a little bit. They'll put Republicans back in and we'll fix it so they have two or whatever years of crappy tax policy. Mm -hmm. This is changing how 
power is transferred in the country. If H.R. 1 was law in, in its full glory, you potentially could see the Republicans become the minority party for decades. How do you think our Arizona Senate delegation is going to perform on this, or do you hate to even hesitate to guess? I don't know. You know, yeah. um, you know Kelly has become much more left than he promised in his campaign. Yeah. Just look at the staff he's hired. Sure. Um, cinema continues to surprise me. Yeah. And it is fascinating. Um, you know, uh, she is very, she's brilliant at the politics. And she takes so her own counsel, she, doesn't she? She really does take her own counsel, doesn't she? Well, I, I'm not sure I would phrase it that way. Uh, okay. Um, I think it's much more complex. Okay. Um, sometimes if you have ambition, you, um, you, you understand electoral politics. And to her credit, she does. Okay. Okay. Um, what else should we watch out for this week? Uh, it, it, lots, there's just lots of bad stuff. Um, and you think of every failed leftist idea from the last couple decades, and it's as if the Democrats have been trying to ram it in to these first couple hundred days of Congress. Um, and... You know, at first you go, oh, that's just them paying off the left or giving lip service. But the Democrats are really serious about this yeah. stuff becoming law. Yeah. And that's where the attack on the filibuster. Yeah. So for, I think, a number of Democrats in the House, they thought they could vote for the crazy stuff, pacify their code pink, their moveon.orgs, their resist groups, you know, the folks who have been radicalized. And I hate to say many of these are you know, suburban females that so disliked the last president, they moved hard left, not actually understanding, you know, what they're doing to their own family's future. Um, That's the message I've been trying to communicate. When, when If you don't believe them, believe them. They mean it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but for many of these Democrats in the House, they would rationalize, saying, but it's never getting through the Senate. So I can always say it was a symbolic vote. Uh-huh. And now the left-wing activists come down hard. Mm-hmm on the Democrats saying, you will change the filibuster rule. We will get absolute yeah. power. Yeah. And Republicans have always hid behind saying, well, they'll pay a price yeah. next election yeah. cycle yeah. if they, of course, if they pass something like H.R. 1. There's and no, in, We don't have the fair shot, do we? We don't. Yeah, because yeah. organically, with the population shifts to Sunbelt states, just organically, we should take back things like the House of Representatives sure. Sure. because of the population shift. Um, but what happens if they change the filibuster rule and the elections mm-hmm. and election financing and these other mechanisms? Um, it could be they've so rigged the system that conservatives' ability to be elected is much, much, much more difficult. All right, I'm going to have to spend more time on this. i got to let you go, but i got to let you answer one more question. People remembered what you said last week. I have a listener here who said, please ask David what he specifically what band he specifically liked on electric music from the 80s i must know what artists oh oh it's um well first off to to, you see and when i answered that you moved right on to the next subject like i had so humiliated you with my answer no it's not that you humiliated me it's that you embarrassed yourself (laughs) yes that's true i was trying Um, to save you yeah it's 
But um, you have a voter, evidently, <laughs> who yeah, wants to uh, know. I, to, to that voter, um, go, go onto your Apple Music, whatever, and look up something called Trip Hop. It's sort of downbeat, more mellow. You can read. You can do math to it in the background. Um, okay. And, and that's sort of the genre. All right. All right. David Schweiker. <laughs> hey, you, you started this. I, well, that? I kind of did, but, you know, I just – I expected more. I, I was expected never one of more. The, I was never – look – I was like president of the math club. I was never one of the cool kids. So, you know, what you expect? We love you, David Schweiker. We'll talk to you next week. God Thanks. bless you. Godspeed. Bye. You bet. <laughs> Bye-bye. Do you guys uh, and gals remember the first impeachment of Donald J. Trump? having to do with foreign aid to a country known as Ukraine. How long ago does that seem, Bill? Ten years ago? Do you remember what part of the complaint was? Actually, it was the essence of breaking the law. It was, it was the Democrats' position to get to a high crime was that he withheld money that Congress appropriated to Ukraine. Do you remember that part of it, Bill? He withheld the money Congress appropriated until he could get certain guarantees, which Congress did not impose, but the president evidently for political reasons did. I defended the president, I, 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 but, but that was the Democrats' argument. He violated the law by not spending the money Congress appropriated for that purpose. Now, what do you say about Joe Biden refusing to spend the money that Congress appropriated to build the southern border. Is that a high crime and misdemeanor? I think it has more consequences to the American people than foreign aid to the Ukraine. I keep saying the Ukraine, and I know it's supposed to be just Ukraine. Forgive me that. It took me forever to get out of Rhodesia to Zimbabwe. Is it not more consequential to Americans, that money to protect our border is not being spent the way Congress authorized than the impoundment of money to go and be delivered to Ukraine until they got rid of corruption, until they could guarantee us they wouldn't funnel the money through corrupt services. When, so, when, when, it's been, when it was argued that high crimes and misdemeanors can be whatever Congress or the Senate thinks it can be, and it doesn't have to be tied to a federal law or felony or misdemeanor, that's true constitutionally and historically. It's true. You don't have to break a law, a federal law, a law in the U.S. Code. But it's not simply going to be politics as normal if high crimes and misdemeanors simply redounds to the meaning that when Republicans do it, it's a high crime and misdemeanor, and when Democrats do it, it's high ethics, honor, and principle. We can't keep going that way. We just can't. We just can't. Rob is in surprise. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Happy uh, Wednesday. Um, boy, oh, boy. You happy St. Happy happy Patrick's Day. Happy, well, why did I say Thanksgiving? Right. It's been well, on my mind. 
That's all right. Thanksgiving's good. Anyway, I've been trying to organize a Thanksgiving get-together with my sisters. We all live in different states and hadn't seen each other in a while. That's, <laughs> no, that's, what that, that's where that probably came from. Yeah, yeah um, you brought up the whole uh, Ukraine thing. And uh, if I recall, President Trump was just talking to the Ukrainian prime minister about trying to find out about corruption in Ukraine based on uh, the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden thing which got suppressed, and they, the Democrats, used all that information, uh, you know, to try to make Trump look bad. But all he was doing was trying to get to the bottom of the corruption going on in uh, the Democrat Party, primarily the Biden Party, or the Biden people. Um, Is that correct? I don't know, Rob. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Where were you picking up on this? Well, I, I just remember a couple of years ago when, uh, and this, I think, brought up the whole impeachment thing, the first impeachment, was uh, didn't they, uh, the Democrats, want to impeach Donald Trump for uh, talking to the Ukrainian prime minister about nothing more than having them find out whether there was a... Uh, oh, I'm with you now. Right. I'm with you now. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. Yeah. I, I went on a different track on, in, in what I thought you were saying. Yes, that, that it was about a phone call to the Ukrainian yeah. to, to the Ukrainian president and that Donald yeah. Trump had asked for certain guarantees about cleaning up corruption in Ukraine, which was known by everyone in foreign services as one of the most corrupt countries in the world that the new president was trying to do something about. And the president... Yeah of Ukraine was on record saying he did not feel like Donald Trump was pressuring him. No, and 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 that's the thing that the media never bothered covering. Correct. Um yeah, so well we're on the same page at least. Now um part 2 uh rock music conservative uh, songs um I may have mentioned Don't Tread on Me by Metallica. Yes. Um and that had to do with the uh uh, doctrine of peace through strength, written in response to the first Gulf War. Yeah, um, you know, so be it. Threat no more to secure peace is to prepare for war. I mm-hmm. could not agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Kinks actually came out with the song "20th Century Man," um, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think this is one of the better ones. You know, you keep all your smart modern writers. Give me William Shakespeare. You keep all your modern painters. I'll take Rembrandt, Titian, Da Vinci, and Gainsborough. I was born in a welfare state, ruled by bureaucracy, controlled by civil servants, and people dressed in gray, got no privacy, got no liberty, because the 20th century people took it all away from me. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. All right. What are we going I'll out with? I'll be right back. Are we going out with a little Peter Chris? Yes, we'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Open lines for anyone who wants to join us. We'll come back with Rob and go from there. Okay, welcome back to the Seth Leapson show. Rob's in surprise. Hello, Rob. Let's that's like a one and done, okay? That was a that was a very serious early rush song, by the way. I think. Yeah, it was. And it reminds me of when Voltaire's students took him to a bordello. <laughs> Voltaire's students? Yeah. Oh, God. And then a couple I months passed. Grave, a, 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 
a, cu- a couple months passed, and they asked if he wanted to go again. <laughs> yeah. And he said well, that, once he said once a philosopher, twice a pervert. <laughs> oh my God! That that, anyway, that 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 will work once, Bill. Okay, no more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and for Bill, uh, because I love the guy. Um, there's the trees by Rush, and I think. Um, even though people talk about them being libertarian, um, the the song "The Trees" happens in uh, I think maples and oaks are uh, what happens in a forest when equal rights become equal outcomes. Mm. All the trees are kept equal by hatchet, axe, and saw, mm. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and that's for yeah. Bill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now um, there's a couple other songs. Uh, Sammy Hagar, "I Can't Drive 55." I think that's a great conservative song because, okay. you know, the, the uh, speed limit was based on the 1973 oil embargo, mm-hmm. and everybody had to drive 55. And, of course, freedom requires that we don't follow uh, government-imposed speed limits. Um, the other song that I was thinking of was that uh, you probably heard of Paul Revere and the Raiders. Of course. Um, and, and they had a song called Kick. And I think it reached number one back in the mid-60s, and it had to do with, uh, you know, somebody trying to find a bit of paradise, and it all has to do with, I don't know, drug and excessive hmm. use of pleasure hmm. uh, thing, and I think that's another great... Interesting. Song. I don't know it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what I was really calling about, actually, I should back up a little bit. By the way, uh, and this backing up a little bit. Stanley Kurtz was awesome yesterday. Yeah, that's important um, stuff. I told Bill that's that's you know, if I could do that every day and highlight that kind of stuff, that's the most important thing around. For those that missed it, they can get it at 960thepatriot.com. But Stanley yeah. was talking about a piece of federal legislation circulating in Congress that will uh Due to ele- as HR one will do to elections, this piece of legislation will do to uh, woke curriculum in all of our nation's public schools. Oh, exactly. And the funny thing is, and I read through all thirty-two pages of the HR law. Um, it's very insidious because it doesn't really specifically say anything that Stanley Kurtz had brought up, but he was able to dissect it and read between the lines and bring out what's really going on with that. And that is to, uh, you know, federalize a lot of left, woke, uh, uh, anti-American, America bad, white people bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it'll force uh, it into the national, it'll it'll create a national curriculum and force it into our nation's schools. Exactly. And, And I thought that was just really, really important. So, no, it really is. Anyway. It really is because yeah. here's 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 the roadmap I sketched out on the show yesterday. I'll let you uh, I'll let you uh, respond or bring up whatever you wanted to bring up in a second, Rob. But um, I, I think this is important for conservatives to grasp, and it just came to me as I was talking. Uh, I write while I talk, and I think while I I talk. Um, I, we're fighting a, a a culture of wokeness. Okay, we're we're fighting a culture of left wing ideology, and it seems to me there are three legs to its stool, or three areas we have to be alert and vigilant against. Alert to and vigilance against. 
There's the cancel culture, which is the purview of uh, social media and big tech. There's critical race theory, which is the purview of the teachers' unions and the pedagogy industry. And then there's the militant wing, as every revolutionary movement needs, and that's Antifa. Those are the three stools of the woke movement. I don't know if anyone's put it that way before. I kind of came up with it yesterday. But I think we conservatives ignore those things at our peril, at our defeat. And I think it's a good way. I happen to think it's a good way to think about it because these things aren't separate. They're all part of the same cause, left-wing destruction of America. We'll be right back. First literal record I bought with my own money, that. I forget what was on the B side, but I just for some reason thought that song was worth owning. Sixth grade maybe? Fifth grade? Was it too much time on my hands, was it? Fifth grade, fourth grade, something like that? Rob, thanks for your patience, sir. Oh, no, that's fine, Seth. uh, The real reason I was trying to call was um, I I had heard about – I was – well, I guess I was listening to Seb Gorka, but I think the real problem we have that nobody really talks about with the open borders is that um, the United States enables failing third world countries um, to send their people here. And first of all, it's wrong, obviously. Second of all, it doesn't do the United States any good from a national uh, interest standpoint. And it's just sort of uh, allows, and I've been looking at this with Mexico for a long time, but it allows, uh, you know, those countries to get off the hook when it comes to uh, improving their own countries and taking care of their own people. And that just drives me crazy, you know, because now we have this open border policy. And so now the world wants to come in and everybody wants to come to the United States. And nothing, well, first of all, that doesn't help us. And second of all, that doesn't help the countries they come from because um, it allows continued corruption and uh, they don't take care of their own people. And that, that's the real reason I called. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's a story that the left hasn't quite gotten uh, right just yet, but it's a story with implications for, as you say, we and the other countries we interface with. So if these immigrants are all great human beings with tremendous potential to not only improve their own lot but contribute to the greatness of America, uh, if that's who they are or any degree of them – you know, you got to wonder how good it is for these other countries to lose those citizens – you know, well, if exactly. these countries are failed countries, why would they export their best and brightest? You know, you wonder about what Germany would have been like if it kept Einstein, you know? Um, oh, yeah. The other side of it, of course, is we know that that's not entirely always the case. Mostly it's not the case. Mostly right. it's the case that we have people who are, are seeking economic benefit, which I don't blame them for. It's just we can't. We, we, we can't. You know, we can't have unlimited amounts of that because, you know, I think our first duty is to Americans 
who are seeking economic um, advancement. But then there are the stories that will not get covered very much today outside of maybe the New York Post or conservative talk radio, which is that, you know, we did stop four terrorists uh, at the border over the last couple of months, at least uh, men on the terrorist watch list from uh, where what were the countries? I think Yemen and Serbia, maybe. But uh, mm-hmm. but 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 as I was saying yesterday, wonderful that we stopped them. And the only only numbers we have are the numbers we stop, detain, arrest, whatever. We don't have, we don't know what we're not stopping. We don't know what we're not detaining. And that's going to be a serious problem for the Biden administration, whether the media decides to cover this or not. It's going to be a serious problem for the Biden administration, as well as it is going to be for the Department of Homeland Security and the rest of the American people. We don't know what we don't know. It it has never probably been more apt than when it comes to either the open or porousness of our border. Um, when I went down with Andy Biggs and Jim here and Chris uh, a couple years ago, we, we, we saw Border Patrol stop a few people, and we saw a few people they couldn't stop. I don't know whatever became of them, but that happens every single day. That happened. That happened, by the way, people running across the border. That happened in front of media and in front of mm-hmm. law enforcement. And they couldn't mm-hmm. get to him because they were chasing other guys. So, well, yeah. you know, people people who may not go down there and appreciate what's going on, I don't blame them for not understanding it. I do blame them for not understanding what we're saying, though, once we do try and explain it to them. And, um, and you know, we've, we've – we've, we've, we, 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 compassion, Gene Kirkpatrick said, compassion – as a human trait comes easier than comprehension. And by that, she meant misplaced compassion comes easier than yep. comprehension. It's very easy to accept a narrative of humanitarian compassion and say these poor people, of course, they deserve to be here. Okay, but who's saying these poor people who were born in America and deserve not to have to compete with them? Um It's a weird left-wing thing that I haven't seen much of in about 30 years, but I remember was fairly prominent about 30 years ago. And it's it's so far out there I didn't take it seriously, and now we have to take it seriously. And it was this left-wing thing that borders don't matter. Hmm. Truth is they do. Well, they do. And in fact, um, Mrs. Rob was looking at the news today and – um, a bunch of illegals were dumped off in Gila Bend, which is about an hour and a half north of the Mexican border. And Gila Bend, which is uh, if you go south on 85 and uh, it runs into 810 West, um, they have no resources for these illegals. They don't have a food store. They have a few motels, but they're being dumped off. Without yeah, at a gas station without having any uh, uh, I don't know security, and they're being dumped off in Arizona, and I'm sure not just in Gila Bend, but I'm sure in Phoenix and a bunch of other places where they have buses that bring these people over, and and that's really disturbing because nobody I don't think that's an American citizen 
really wants any of this to happen, and yet it is. And I don't know, uh, other than just telling these politicians to stop, what can be done about it? Well, look, it, it, it's, it's, it's a weird thing that we, for all the talk we have and engage in about immigration, we and the left, Congress does not act on it. They can't get their act together on it is probably the better way to put it because it drives so many different – so many different agendas are at play here. But I don't know what the American agenda – how that's at play here. I don't understand how the minority rights community can support unrestrained and illegal immigration because it tends to be illegal immigrants competing for the same kinds of positions – work and education opportunities that many in the underserved populations in America are competing against. You know who understood this? Cesar Chavez understood this. It's an irony of ironies that Joe Biden put a bust of Cesar Chavez in the Oval Office. Cesar Chavez hated illegal immigration and supporters of his went down to the border to beat back, physically beat back as vigilantes, illegal immigrants. He got it. I get it. And um, it seems to me if we had some national leadership that could talk about it a little better, just a little better and a little more comprehensively vis-a-vis how illegal immigration affects our minority communities, I think we could make it into a 70 to 80 percent issue. I really, really, really do. I really do. And I think the neglect on this and the politicization of it has – it's it's inexplicable to me. It really is. What country doesn't have a right to its sovereignty? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I um, wanted to bring this up before I uh, before uh, I, I ran out of time, and uh, we'll take your we'll resume taking your calls in the next hour, but. This Atlanta shooting has been an interesting cultural moment in the sense of it raising the specter of anti-Asian hate crimes and anti-Asian violence. And a good friend of mine said to me, you know, Joe Biden's talking about anti-Asian violence. Um, Anti-Asian discrimination in this country has become a thing that the media has been talking about for the past couple of weeks. Uh, where does it come from? What is it? And, you know, I, I just I, – I, I wasn't doing my due diligence and paying enough attention to it. And I did a little digging today because I happen to know a little bit about how we report hate crimes in this country and that the most official figures you get are from the FBI – uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI's uh, uniform uh, crime reporting. And I know that this is way too early, March, to know what the hate crime numbers were from the federal government uh, assessments from a year ago, from last year, from 2020. Certainly from the last several weeks or months. So looking into it, I found out that this whole narrative comes from a – lobby think tank group that was founded about a year ago called Stop AAPI Hate, Stop Asian American and Pacific Islander Hate. And I read the report, 
And it's interesting because it doesn't come close to matching the FBI numbers of last year. It just doesn't come close. For example, the FBI numbers, most recent numbers, were there were 158 anti-Asian hate crime incidents, according to the federal government in most recent reporting, 2019. According to this group, AAPI Hate, according to this group, we're talking 3,800 incidents. Now, what do they count as an incident? If you read their report, it's pretty interesting. 20% is something called shunning. So we're talking 700-plus incidents, right? 20% 700-plus incidents are shunning. Who the hell knows what that means? Someone didn't look at you the right way. Someone ignored you. How do you know that that's a racial bias incident? How do you substantiate shunning? By the way, 68% verbal. 68% verbal. Does that strike you as a hate crime? When you think hate crime, you think violent incident or assault, don't you? Verbal? 70% verbal? Let's take a beat on this, please, and note that this alleged Atlanta shooter said it had nothing to do with race, some kind of weird sexual disturbance that looks really dark and horrible. But it ain't anti-Asian, not from every piece of evidence I've seen. 